cheers to another episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. I'm your guide, AJ Weinzettel, on this journey of stories showcasing the people behind the wonderful world of wine, where we dive into conversations ranging from terroir, viticulture, to favorite music, superpowers, and more. Please enjoy this episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. Before we dive into this week's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Obain, a single vineyard estate of Pinot Noir in Chardonnay located in the Eola Amity Hills for sponsoring the podcast. Today, I want to talk about the bees at the estate vineyard of Anahata Vineyard for Obain. In 2019, Obain teamed up with Jacobson Salt Company, adding six Italian beehives to the vineyard. Having beehives in the vineyard helped contribute to a healthy vineyard and ultimately to the quality of the wine. You're probably thinking, how does having bees in the vineyard help with the quality of wine? Well, bees pollinate diverse cover crops in the vineyard, providing the healthy microbiome in the vine's root systems, which is needed for the vines to earth and transfers the terroir into nutrients. When the bees pollinate, they also create the perfect environment for bugs and insects to help protect the vines, helping to eliminate those harmful pests without introducing chemical treatments. And I don't know about you, but I don't want any chemical treatments in my wine. With that being said, you can purchase your bottles of Obain today by visiting their website at obain.com and be sure to use the promo code WINENOTES for 20% off. That is A-U-B-A-I-N-E-W-I-N-E.com and promo code W-E-I-N-N-O-T-E-S for 20% off until August 5th. Bruno, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, AJ. It's my pleasure to have you here. And uh, we already chatted about our wines, uh, but I'm always happy to share my uh, experience uh, winemaking with you. Yeah, no, thank you. It's... uh, this has been an odd May so far. I mean, holy cow, we had temperatures in the mid to upper 90s. I, I'm sure that the vines are like, oh my goodness, thank you. That's exactly what they're doing, and uh, we're happy about that. It's just like we need to catch up with the, the growth and catch up with the grass that is growing as well. As you, you have noticed, we are uh, totally organically farming, so we let the grass grow um, without herbicide, but we need to cultivate under the vine, and we are a little bit late right now about that. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, can I pour us a little bit of wine? Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if you want to talk about it, you're, you know, feel free. Uh, if you don't want to talk about it, it's just it's just kind of... Uh, yeah, that's, in- that's intriguing to start with, and... Uh, I'm really happy to, um, to 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 talk about what I'm I'm feeling about this wine. So it's a it's a nice colored uh, white wine, uh, nice clear. Um, it's already has some evolution notes, um, so it's not. It doesn't smells to me like a, a newly newly bulled wine. Uh, it has some nice green hose in the nose, in a nice way. Mm, good, um, good vibrancy, good vivacity, good, um, good balance as well. Uh, a little bit of a savory character that I really like. Um, it's not extremely uh, powerful. Um, it's on the light side, but really well framed by acids. It is. It is a good wine, and uh, you know, toward the end, we'll reveal what it is, and you know, hopefully, I found some sort of like little connection that. Oh, okay. That I, uh, I, I, I try to find a connection for all the wines that I bring. All right. Uh, I didn't exactly fi- have a great connection for you, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah, I like the. There's a touch of citrusy nose. Uh, yeah, it has this kind of a really nice um, citrusy uh, length to it that I yeah, appreciate. Yeah, no, it, it is, it's, it's something that I enjoy as well. So, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to kind of talk about it. I appreciate cool. it. Cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, you have your hands in so many things. I mean, you have Domain Divio, and then you have, you know, consulting uh, with Northwest Wine Company. Mm-hmm. Do you ever sleep? 
Well, I I like to be um, to be busy. <laughs> uh, wine making is one thing. Wine, uh, grape growing is another thing. And uh, for me, they cannot go without each other. Um, so I really like loved being involved into the 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 growing. So that's that's my my first passion. And then of course, uh, wine making comes easily when uh, when you have good grapes. So. Yeah, I usually spend more time in the vineyards than I spend in in a cellar, but um, but still, I, I I really want to be an all fronts so than this thing. So, Demon View is something we started in 2012 uh, with the idea of growing our own estate here in the valley, but then uh, I'm still working full time with uh, Northwest Wine Company uh, in Dundee, where I'm. Uh, I'm less and less involved into the winemaking, even though I'm still very much involved for a lot of the, the projects, but I'm spending more of my time in the vineyard. Uh, and yeah, my, my wife always tells me like, uh, yeah, I should slow down. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I love, I love this, uh, this different, different aspects of the, of the, the industry. Yeah, no, I, and you can tell when at all the events, you know, I, one of the events I really appreciate is your uh, Friday night pizza on you know in the yes. summers and you're out there the whole time talking to everybody multiple times over and over again and you can just see the joy and the enthusiasm that that comes from it just just from your you know uh the way you present yourself and smile and just it's it's wonderful to see i think that that's that's the beauty of wine it's that connection it gives you to the to the people it's uh it's a product that that makes you happy. That product that g gathers people. Uh, that's a product that really makes uh, makes connections, and uh, that's a product that pairs with with food, which is uh, always the the time where we uh, we one of the time we enjoy the most our, on our lives. <laughs> um, so I think it's good to share this passion with uh, with the people who likes my wines. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I like to spend time with them and. Uh, and, and share what I, what my passion with them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, and it's greatly appreciated. I mean, everybody is always like, Bruno, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you. very much loved. Thank you. Uh, so you're a fourth generation winemaker. Mm -hmm. Um, any idea how your great grandfather got into like planting grapes or making wine? I mean, how did that so in 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 France in general, in Burgundy particularly, um, in the uh, late nineteenth century, uh, all farms uh, had uh, some kind of a plot of vineyard, uh, and and my grandfather, my grand grandfather, uh, was not an exception. So he was uh, he was having uh, some some vineyard. Um, Usually that was enough to make wine for the family or, or to have a, another. It was, they had multiple crops right. and they have animals and it was a, like a farm, right? And then, um, so the wine was part of it, uh, but that's, that was pretty common at the time. And then uh, my grandfather extended the, uh, the family uh, estate. If I call it that way, because <laughs> yeah, so he still had uh, animals and some other crops, and less and less differentiation of crops, more grapes, but still some animals. Like the the horses were necessary because uh, he didn't have money to buy tractors, and tractors were not very not very um, uh, common at the time. Right. Uh, so horses was like to to work in the field. Um, but we had cows and hens and chickens and, and uh, we had some rabbits and pigeons and um, oh, everything. Everything, yeah. exactly. So I grew up in this environment um, and then uh, I, I remember being very young, uh, enjoying being in the, in the cellar with my grandfather and he was explaining me, uh, I mean, different aspects of, of the winemaking. Right. Um, and so I was I was born in that in that environment. <clears throat> then my father uh, took over the vineyard side, and then my grandfather. Uh, they had had some trouble at the, this time in the early sixties, uh, seventies, uh, marketing their wine, especially when you're from the Haute Côte de Beaune, uh, like right. me. I'm, I was born in Beaune. Um, in it was not easy to market your wine when you do it in bottles. So. 
they gathered several friends of him uh, to create the co-op, the only co-op that is uh, in, in Burgundy, um, but then they grew really rapidly. Um, so he decided to stop producing the wine himself in the cellar, but uh, but moving all the grapes to a, a larger facility where we'd have the, all the potential for, uh, I mean, get, getting their forces together to to have a good production environment and then some marketing um, uh, power as well uh, as a group. Um, so my father took over the vineyards and uh, I've been working alongside him when I was a kid to grow grapes um, as well. That It was hard work and I didn't really like that at the time. <laughs> uh, as a teenager, uh, I wanted to do something different. Um, so I got a degree in uh, microbiology and biochemistry and started to work in lab in labs uh, in Dijon. Uh, so Domaine Divio actually is the, um, that the early name of the town of Dijon. Right, right. So that's my connection with, uh, with my roots in, in Burgundy, uh, being the capital of Burgundy, and, but also where I studied and where I met my wife. So nice. there's a, this great connection. So um, I realized after 10 years working in the... Uh, in the lab uh, environment, uh, medical and uh, vet and um, pharmaceutical research, that uh, I really wanted to go back to my roots and get back to school, get my degree in winemaking, uh, <clears throat> and starting to work like full time in the in wine industry. Yeah, no, that that and that is great. When uh, if if you had the ability to ask like your great granddad or your or you know or your grandfather. Uh, or, or just show them the differences between you know what they were doing for wine and what you do for wine. What do you think would be like the number one? Like, oh my gosh, you do that? Yes, and I think he would be. I hope. I think he would be proud of uh, of, of me following the passion of the family. He was he uh, was sad in the seventies when he had to to move away from the the family. Um, seller and and to create the co-op and it was it was the uh, i think the only way to go for them to be economically viable um so i think he would be really happy to see me in this taking over the family business somehow because yeah. I, I i took over all the all the vineyards of the family in in burgundy even though by now my i'm not there so my cousin is farming them right um but uh keeping it as a as a the family estate that, no, that, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that 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 is great. Yeah. Uh, do you think that he would be amazed by the differences of winemaking, the the process of making wine? Do you think he would see a difference and be like, oh, "Wow"? Um, the, I mean, techniques uh, have evolved, but not changed much. So okay. the process is still very similar. There's not, I mean, and and you know, I'm doing, I'm not doing any any uh, special uh, treatment to my, to my grapes and, and everybody's using the same techniques, some, some more or less, but right. I would say the equipment might differ, but, uh, but the process itself is still, is still a fruit that is transformed into, into wine by, by natural yeasts. So, right. um, yeah. And then you can, yeah, you can use different, I mean, I was, you know, I'm using, I'm using some new oak now. They they were not using at the time particularly. So it was really not uh, a thing to use new oak. We were using new oak when you had to replace some very old barrels, but not as a right. purpose. Right. Um, so that might be, I would say, would be the largest difference in in the final product would be the the use of uh, of uh, brand new oak okay. barrels. And when you were in the uh, pharmacology lab research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you had to tell your mom like, "Hey, I'm gonna go do wine." She wasn't exactly happy with you. No, she was not. <laughs> no, because I was a, I had a really good job with a good pay and good retirement plans and everything. And then for her, it was moving into the uh, unknown uh, territory uh, and an environment of wine was, and she never had any drop of wine during all of her life. She never drank wine. So for right. her, it was, uh, it was, she was concerned of, uh, me, uh, abusing my product. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. But, but she hopefully, yeah, I, I know I'm, I'm really pleased. Uh, she, well, she, uh, I'm sorry, she passed, uh, several years ago, but I think she understood before she passed that. 
that I was uh, I was just following my passion and I was doing it the right way. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that that's really great. Thank you. Um, you came to Oregon as an intern at Domain uh, Druin yes. in 1996, mm -hmm. uh, and that was your kind of first time, you know, getting ex you know exposure to Oregon. And you know, we always talk about or the Oregon community. Yes. Are there any specific stories at that time that just drew you in? And you're like, wow. I yeah, I was introduced to. I mean, for everything like was was really amazing to me. I was willing to discover the world and and the my first stop was was uh the US and uh, and the, the Willamette Valley. I was amazed by the potential this valley had and and the welcoming of the of the community of the people here. Right. Um and Veronique was uh, already so well uh um uh, recognized by our peers in the valley and and uh, admired uh, already and and uh, that she had a lot of connections so um, I was invited with her uh, to a lot of different um, gathering uh, that there was not that many producers uh, at the time in the valley, right right but they were really happy to share their their techniques, their stories, their 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 house, their meals. So it was great. I, I remember I was invited to I think it was the fiftieth birthday of the twins at Bethelites. Right. Um, uh, and that was something I would never think I would you know, I mean would something that would not happen in France. So right. that was something very, very uh, touching to me. Uh, David Adelsheim loves to cook, so he, he invited, uh, invited us several times to several meals. That was, right. that was great. And so, yeah, I, mean, I met, uh, she had met the uh, Rolling Souls from, uh, it was just starting Argyle at the time, and uh, she introduced me to him as uh, the master of yeasts uh, <laughs> in the valley, and I was, uh, I was impressed. Um, so all these great people that I, I met at the time that I, they really uh, uh, filled up, uh, filled me with the, with the the, the passion of being of being here, the exchange, the uh, the sharing of their, you know, their experience. Right. Uh, com coming, some of them coming from different horizons, but wanted to be here. It was more of a, for me, it was a continuation of the pioneering uh, of, the, of the far west. Uh, of America, so right. getting everybody together because it's that's the way we're gonna conquer this place. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, and that that's great. I mean, that's that was such a great time, and you know, you don't hear you hear a lot of the origin stories of Oregon wine, and you hear you know stories that are kind of going on now. But like to take a like 1996, just to hear kind of what was going on at that time, and just hear some of that. That's that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, and tasting wines around me, um, I, I was really amazed by the quality uh, and the potential this, this place uh, had. So for me, it was like, wow, if, I, if one day I have the chance to be able to start my own estate somewhere else, that would be here. Yeah. Um, and I would also, the Ribbon Ridge where we are right now was not an EVA uh, at the time, but it was already recognized as a great uh, place. Uh, for Pinots and Chards, uh, even though Chards was not the, one of the main concerns at the time. I mean, there was some already, but and actually 1996 was the first year, I think, that uh, the Mendoza launched their uh, their uh, Arthur, the, the, the Chardonnay that I helped Veronique that making. <laughs> so I'm kind of a, right. <laughs> pretty happy about that. That's awesome. Yeah. But Chardonnay was not a, a, a real thing at the time. and. Um, well, for me, uh, some of the best, I, I, the, those I really preferred at the time was uh, uh, those coming from the Ribbon Ridge. So when I decided to, to go ahead and, and start my own estate, I wanted to be on the Ribbon Ridge. Yeah, no, it's a nice little area. I mean, it's kind of tucked away in the property that you're on here is just so, it, it's heavenly. I mean, all the pictures that you all have, I mean, it's just like, oh. Thank it's, you. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah, it's yeah. a great Great soil, great exposure, 
uh, great views, uh, great environment. And a lot of, uh, I mean, a big majority of the people who are growing grapes here uh, on the Ribbon Ridge are, uh, are really uh, following the, being, want, want to be sustainable as much as possible and some organic, some biodynamic, and we have a lot of uh, income and it's the, the way we want to really cher cherish the land. Yeah, and as a AVA, I know that y'all are trying to uh, be completely herbicide-free. Yeah, we are uh, herbicide-free. We are uh, not irrigating, and uh, we uh, we're not using any uh, chemically produced uh, pesticides either. Yeah, no, that that is great. Uh, when when you dive into your story, you can't help but just stumble over Tahiti, and oh my gosh, just. I mean, I, we could probably talk about Tahiti for the next four hours, but we don't have four hours, obviously. Uh, how did like how did Tahiti even come about? And uh, I guess number one of that, and number two, uh, when that came about, it was a very risky move to like, yeah, let's go do this wine in some place that's never been done. Where where does that risk? mentality come from um i was just coming back from a, a very nice experience i had in, in california uh it was it was uh the, the weather was really not i was going back to france the weather was really not good <laughs> and uh, i came across an ad that was looking for uh someone to um, to start the, this project in in fresh wine in asia and um, and my wife looking at it, <laughs> she was like, she was the one that, that really you know wanted me to be taking over this project, and, and I, I really liked the idea of the adventure part, right. and uh, and we were young then, so we didn't have you know, we didn't have kids yet, so the risk was not very very big on our on our you know on our side really. And then I realized that uh, the person who were like recruiting for this project was a former um, professor of mine from the university in Burgundy. Okay. And so we started to chat and he recognized me and he understood that I was the right person for. I had a lot of um, experience in viticulture because that, that was the main thing, like understanding the plants and, and trying to um adapt that to to really crazy environment uh, right, for right. this type of plant um, so uh, i was very adventurous i i, I guess i'm still a little bit somehow. yeah yeah um, so we really embraced the idea of uh, of this project um so we we went right away it was in 1999 and um and then we realized that it was Way more challenging that the picture they gave us on the beginning. They, they told <laughs> they told me it was it would have been it would be very difficult. Right. Uh, but then I realized it was uh, it was really to a really high level of uh, of complexity. Uh, but but yeah, working hard and getting in touch with a lot of different places where they're growing grapes in a, a tropical environment like uh, um, like uh, Brazil or India or. Um, the Iranian island in France. I got in touch with those people. I was helped by the um, uh, the INRA in Montpellier, the the, uh, the company or the the establishment that uh, develops new clones and 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 try different varieties. I mean, uh, right. selects uh, varieties, grape varieties, and um, so they they gave me they said they were sending me some uh, some plants to try, giving me advice. Right, right. Uh, the the logistic was the most difficult, uh, and finding labor on site like, well, was really difficult. But people they don't they don't need to work. So well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was complex at the beginning. I can only imagine the logistics side was just getting the equipment and everything to Tahiti, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. So there was there was some money with the project coming, so it was not really the issue. It was not that it was more the yeah how to get them there uh, because. Uh, when you order, and there was no internet at the time, uh, or I mean, especially on these islands, there was right. no. Uh, so you ordered by phone, and if you're lucky, six months later, you're getting something. <laughs> Might not be the one that you ordered. Oh my goodness. Uh, 
and you know you you just kind of brush you didn't even mention that the two growing seasons in a year is even an issue it sounds like to you that's uh, so these two harvests a year goes because of the choice i made of uh, growing uh, carignan so we tried a lot of different varieties and carignan was the one that was giving me um, a good uh, reliable production uh, yield wise but also uh, quality wise um, some uh, some varieties are getting their cycle in three months, so he was making too much, too much work, too much uh, harvest a year, yeah. too many. Um, those that were doing their cycle in six to seven months, they were too uh, too late. It was it was not going a good cycle for for us to work. So Carignan was a good measure. He does his cycle in about five and a half months, so you can start a new season every six months. That's crazy. Uh, so that being able to set up a real, uh, a real uh, ratio of harvest uh, by doing one. I was, I was doing one in um, May, another one in November. Wow. If you were to do Tahiti over again, knowing the knowledge that you have, right. what would you do differently? Um, I will. I would. Uh, I would try. And my successor did some of that because we. When well, I recruited my successor to continue the project, mm -hmm. and then uh, she applied some of the of the experience I had to to change the system a little bit to to always uh, try to um, to make it uh, easier or better quality wise or whatnot. So to to work on the rootstocks because they had the. One of the main issues is the, the soil. We have a lot of, uh, um, uh, it's very calcareous. It was, it's, there's a lot of uh, shells of uh, coral. Right. Um, so it's, um, it's, it might be challenging. So adapting uh, better rootstocks, that's what we already tried after I left. Uh, that would be the thing I would have done. Um, and keeping trying some other varieties that would uh, would be always trying. Right, right. To new, to new things. Yeah, no, it's got to be fun to experiment yeah. and just see what happens. Yeah. yeah. But then they, yeah, they uh, improved the irrigation system. So there, yeah, there's been a lot of improvement. I'm sure. To make uh, their life easier. Yeah. So well, and, and, and the grapes to grow uh, a little bit in better, in better conditions. Yeah. And hopefully today it would be easier to, to buy equipment and stuff via the internet. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's much easier now. Yes. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, so you mentioned earlier that you found um, Domain Divio here in 2014 and you planted in 2015. Mm -hmm. How, I mean, is there a story? I mean, some people have stories of like finding the plot of land and then trying to make an offer on the, on the property and then you get refused. What's, was this up for sale or is, is there any sort of backstory? I started the brand in 2012 and I started to make wine for Domenivio in 2012, but we didn't have a place um, to set up an estate then. And so I, we started to look around and I wanted to be in the ribbon ridge. Like I said, like it was something that I had in my head as, as a good you know, spot to, to grow quality grapes, Pinot Noir particularly. And there was this uh, estate we're on right now that was open, it was not for sale, uh, but I approached the owner and uh, he refused my offer. And he was not interested in selling actually at the time. Right. Um, so I looked around at a lot of different other places, but each time I was, I was not convinced because I, for me, that was a place. Right, right. So I looked, I kept looking around, and but I came back to this owner several times uh, until we decided to go ahead with a, a project. He wanted me to develop the the vineyard, but I want, he wanted to keep it. Um, so we found a, a in between solution where uh, I was buying the big part of the land. He was keeping just a little plot that would plant for him. Right. Um, that he ended up selling to me uh, last year. So now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's all in the estate. Nice. But that was that was a compromise uh, to access it. So we we ended up buying the place in 2014, and uh, we planted actually right away uh, in the fall of 14. We uh, we started to put some vines in the ground. Um, so that's why we've been able to do our first harvest in 2017. That's awesome. Yeah. 
And so you planted uh, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir. Yes. And you also have Gamay and Alagote on site? I don't have Gamay. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sourcing Gamay from uh, from some other vineyards I'm farming. Okay. Uh, but I really wanted to have Aligote on the site because it's it's kind of a um, one of the main grapes that I grew up with in in my family uh, vineyards. Uh, that was our everyday wine. Right. Um, it's still for some people uh, everyday everyday wine. So uh, I really wanted to. It's my Madeleine de Proust that the that the, the the wine I always go to when I. Uh, I'm, I'm going back to Burgundy. I want to have some Aligote. That's right. something I really cherish. If it's not extremely complex or or powerful, but it's something that I've, yeah, it's it's in my blood pretty much. Yeah, and I it wasn't last summer, but I think it was the summer before. I uh, was out here, you know, for a tasting, and Sarah was like, "You need to taste this." I'm mm-hmm. like, "Okay," and I tasted it, and I fell in love with it, mm-hmm. and now I'm on a complete rabbit hole journey of finding all the aligote in Oregon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your fault that I'm going through all of this aligote in, in Oregon and seeing what it, it's, what it's all about. I, uh, it's, it's been quite a journey and I've enjoyed the heck out of it. So thank you for introducing me to aligote. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, there is a, there's a good bunch of producers in Burgundy now that are trying to, uh, uh, re-embellish the, the idea of, a growing aligote in Burgundy because it's a, such a traditional grape. It has been, it has been grown for uh, centuries and, and now uh, it has been, I think it has been pushed too much into, into big yield, big production, not good quality in the, between the, you know, the fifties to sixties after the, after the world war. Right, world right. war. And so people were like, leave it on the side, but then there's a really, you know, Regain of uh, of uh, of, um, of interest with uh, with aligote that people are re- rediscovering aligote. I think yeah. it's it's great. It it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had uh, some aligote out of Amphora. That's up you know locally here from uh, Beckham Estate, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> that was that was a totally completely different aligote than I've ever had. It was it was really uh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, talking a little bit about the 2020 vintage, yes. Um, you got remarkable high marks from Paul Greggett, I think, on your 2020 Highland Pinot, mm-hmm. and I, I heard maybe that you uh, used milk to kind of go in with the with the wine a little bit, or maybe I'm getting my terms wrong, but just to use that to extract the the smoke out of it. Was that part of, did, did you learn that from, you know, from schooling or just, you know, from previous uh, generations? So um, in 2020, so we had, we had some issue, uh, of course, because we had uh, this devastating, like big fires that started to um, be detrimental to the quality of the grapes. Um, some producers decided not to pick at all. Myself, I was like, okay, we I'm a winemaker for good years and bad years, so our job is to make wine no matter what. So we're going to try to do the best to make the best wine possible with what we have. Right. And uh, and so it has been a really, really strong exercise of uh, trying to find what was working the best right. to keep the quality and um, and and to uh, to remove uh, to remove any any smoke tent that we we could we could get uh, some wines were more affected than others um, the grapes that was um, uh, generate uh, uh, that was from the estate was not much impacted because we we didn't have the, the we had a little bit of smoke but not to a point that uh, it was really uh, moving into the, the grapes. Um, but some other uh, areas we had, uh, yeah, we had strong, stronger effects. So our approach was like, okay, we probably gonna have to find it heavily uh, with carbon or some other products. So right. we're gonna probably remove um, as much as possible of the smoke tent, but we're gonna remove also some structure of the wine. So 
instead of uh, trying to make a light extraction that that would make a light wine to start with anyway, we wanted to do the other way, do a full extraction, get everything out of the grapes, good and bad, right. and then removing the bad parts. Right. So uh, we didn't, so we, we tried different techniques. So um, our approach was to uh, try to clear the, the most obvious uh, taint from the beginning. So we did uh, several saignées, treated the saignée with some carbon, and then putting the wine back into fermentation um, to, uh, to try to, to eliminate as much as possible as we were going. Right. And then we were trying to fine tune afterwards, and it worked really well. Uh, and then fine tuning, and uh, we don't we don't learn about milk at school, no. <laughs> but but it's something that is well known um, as a product traditionally that that would capture uh, bad smells in general. Okay. Okay. If you let the milk open in your fridge, and it's going to capture everything that is in there, so bad and, and good smell uh, okay that's I, I i didn't know that so yeah. that's awesome you, you, you have a cut onion in your fridge it's gonna meal's gonna absorb a okay. lot of these flavors so we we're hoping it would work and we did some trials um and it was really it was amazing it was just really i'm not talking about a lot i'm just talking up to one person right um and it has a um, it has a different density than, than wine. So if you put, you mix them together, the, the meal's going to settle pretty rapidly right. at the bottom. So it was, it was a needy, uh, setup. Yeah. But um, so we, we were amazed like the way it was, uh, it was not systematically working with every batch, but, uh, but those where it was working, it was really, it was really beneficial. So we, we mix these different techniques. Yeah. No, I, that's... Uh, you know, my, my grandmother told me when I was, I remember her saying that uh, if you have a uh, smoked sausage in your, in a plant on your dish, but this, this sausage might be too, you know, we were using to smoke sausage ourselves in the, right. at the farm. So uh, if it's too strong, so it may ruin your dish. So you spend, you put your, you soak your sausage overnight in milk and, is going to reduce dramatically its uh, its content of smoke. Interesting. So, well, we should try with uh, right. with wine, <laughs> but I I'm not the only one doing that. And something that is kind of yeah known in some water treatment as well. Um, okay. Or, or casein is also another product that you could use as a fining agent. It does have the same properties as as this like uh, smoke taint removal, but. Uh, yeah, uh, milk is, is used, has been used in the uh, wine industry for some time. Okay. Well, I, I learn something new every day. It's, uh, it's remarkable the, the amount of things that you constantly learn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, so recently you have a Hostess de Bone 2019 cuvee. Uh -huh. And when I was looking at the label, it looked like that there was some sort of maybe connection with Domaine Druin. Mm -hmm. How did that all come about? And it sounds like that you're pretty darn proud of it. When I was uh, when I was a kid, I always participated to as a spectator to the to the this big charity auction. It's the, the oldest in the world, I think, one charity auction uh, at the Hospice de Bonne. And uh, I was hoping, always hoping that one day I might be the one uh, um, raising my hand and saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy one of those right. barrels." <laughs> uh, and in 2019. Uh, we uh, we thought it was it was the right time for Domenico to participate to this really so traditional uh, uh, centuries old like charity auction that right. is from my I mean I was born in Bone at the 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 the, the, the hospital that is part of the Hospice de Bone so it was oh wow yeah it's <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's really special yes yeah, yes. So, that's where I'm born, pretty much. <laughs> right. So I wanted to participate to that. Uh, having this great connection with uh, Véronique Drouin at the, the Domaine Joseph, or at Domaine Drouin, Oregon, and Maison Joseph Drouin in Beaune, uh, they, they purchased some, uh, they bid on, on barrels of uh, the Hospice de Beaune every year. Right. Uh, and they, I knew they were uh, aging some of those wines for uh, some of their clients. 
Um, so I asked her if it was something that we could do for the Mendivio and um, she she agreed and, and we've been working together on those projects. Right. Um, the first year, I mean, she's, uh, she's, um, she's the one who uh, uh, gave me some advice on which cuvee uh, to buy because, I mean, she knows also my, well, my, my taste. Right, right, right. And, uh, and that, that worked really well. That's awesome. Um, so I've been really, really happy to acquire this Bon Premier Cru in 2019. And we continued in 2020 with uh, Meursault. Oh. You know, I'm, I'm big on Chardonnay. I'm really, my, my real deep passion is on Chardonnay. So I wanted to, wanted to have one of these right. also uh, in our portfolio. So we're going to receive pretty soon uh, 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 Meursault 2020 Cuvée Lopin uh, from the Hospice de Bonne. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. That has that had to feel so good when you pulled that off. That's that's really good. And and the 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 people who tried it really, you know, I've been amazed by the quality. Of course, it's uh, it always always high end uh, yeah. wines anyway. Yeah. Um, and in 2021, uh, we're we're not sure it was still COVID and. Uh, I was not sure whether the, the wine would be received, and so we decided to skip uh, 2021. And then 2022, uh, after receiving the 2019 that we tried, and everybody else they say, let's let's do it again. So awesome. So we acquired another Bon Premier Cru uh, in 2022 that um, is in at the huh? being uh, being aged uh, wow. uh, really quietly. That's that's so exciting. That's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, you met your wife, Isabel in, in Dijon, right? Um, is there like a special story? Like how did, how, like, how did you all actually meet? Was there something special? Uh, we, we met, uh, we've known each other for, uh, through a concert actually but then we uh we reconnected a few years later when i was uh, studying back to uh, winemaking school and um and yeah i think it was the well, we fell in love right away i guess right. <laughs> <laughs> and she really embraced the the idea of uh, she she's a traveler she loves traveling She's in Paris, actually, as we speak. <laughs> um, she she really enjoyed the idea of uh, of, of of visiting the world. So right. uh, she accompanied me in 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 Oregon. So she fell in love as well as I did in with Oregon at the time in '96, and then um, and then we went together in all the the places in the world where I wanted to do experiment wine. Right. Uh, I mean, Tahiti being like <laughs> her, her putting the trigger <laughs> <laughs> right? No. On, on Tahiti. So she, she loves traveling. So she has been a French professor uh, here at the university until, until COVID and then uh, decided to, um, to change direction and focus on uh, organizing tours. Mm -hmm. uh, since 2018, we realized a lot of our club members wanted to discover Burgundy because I was, uh, that was my style. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, we've been convinced by them that we should organize, organize some tours. So we tried, we started with one and then they, there were more and more people willing to join. Um, so Isabel, uh, starting in our small company of touring Burgundy, right. uh, the two of us, uh, taking our people there and having them discover the places we've, we've loved to, to spend our time. No, that, that's, that's gorgeous. And the two of you have two sons. We have two boys. Yes. Right. Uh, is there going to be a fifth generation winemaker? Uh, probably with the older one. So Louis, um, uh, has been really enjoying uh, discovering winemaking when he was uh, at 14, 15, right. um, helping us in the vineyard and then uh, doing some internship during harvest in the cellar. Uh, he, 
he wanted to embrace that. So we have them usually spend the summer in, in, in France so they can stay connected with the family, of course. Right. So I had him uh, working as intern in, uh, in some vineyards of neighbors or even the family vineyards in, uh, in the summer. And he really enjoyed that. Uh, so he got his degree in, of, uh, his, bio, uh, <coughs> his uh, degree in viticulture at uh, Morgan State University. Nice. And now he's doing his uh, master of winemaking in Dijon, the same school that I went oh, to. Oh, wow. So he's just following up his dad's footsteps so far. And that's... I think he really wants to come back and work here for the company in, in Oregon. That's going to make you feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And Gabriel um, is still studying in, uh, is in Arizona doing uh, mechanical engineering, mm -hmm. uh, which is really very different than, than winemaking. <laughs> but uh, I think he really pursues also a different career that um, I'm really proud of uh, what he's doing. Yeah. No, I mean, in mechanical engineering is freaking hard as old get out, too. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I, I cannot understand what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe there's a chance that he's like, oh, I got to get away. And then he's like, oh, but I want to come back. I mean, you never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. No, that's, that is great. Um, you know, we touched on the Oregon wine community in 96 a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you have any current, like, Oregon wine community stories that, like, recently speak out to you? Um. I think it's a, it, it's a constant uh, gathering. I mean, I, I love the fact that we, I mean, we're part of a lot of different AVAs. Um, these groups are very, very active and they're really willing to, um, to really push the quality always to the top um, by any means. So um, like the other day, uh, I was participating to this, uh, uh, Oregon Chardonnay technical tasting mm -hmm. uh, that gathered probably 150 people. Wow. Um, so we're just blind tasting all of our wines and uh, trying to see what the vintage is about and talking about them, then doing some experiments in the vineyard and in the cellar. Um, we do the same with Pinot Noir in, uh, in next week, actually. Okay. Um, so it's... Uh, and then all these organizations that are like International Pinot Noir Celebration, the um, Oregon Pinot Camp to make people understand that that's Oregon or Willamette Valley particularly is the destination for Pinot Noir right, right. and Chardonnay to the gatekeepers who are like the restaurants and wine sales people. Uh, we bring them over here to have them understand uh, that uh, that we are uh, um, some of the best producers in the world of Pinot Noir. Of course, yes, yes, we most definitely are. And um, and put definitely the Willamette Valley on the world map as a, as great wine producers. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it's a constant gathering and and good uh, good exchange. Um, we we like to refer each other to our clients. <laughs> Yes, yes. It, it is amazing how, you know, everybody's like, oh, where you, you know, you know, where are you going next? Or, you know, you, then you start, you know, having like little rabbit holes to go down to like, oh, I got to go here. And oh, I was told I got to go here. So it's, it's amazing how everybody has, you know, one another's backs to kind of help, help each other out. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and well, and again, like being in very involved into the vineyard side, um, one of my best um, experience has been uh, farming the vineyard of DK Rath right. uh, before he sold uh, he sold it. But I've been I've been working alongside him uh, for several years. Uh, that was uh, that was one of my best uh, memory of uh, of being part of this industry. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. He passed not long ago, and uh, yeah. we're very sad about it because he. He was really a, the figure of the pioneering of winemaking in the valley. He definitely was. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I have some rapid fire questions and then we'll reveal the wine and I'll get you out of here if that works. All right. Sure. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite music artist that you like to listen to during harvest? 
Peter Gabriel. Okay, that's great. Uh, do you have a favorite indulgent food? Uh, Bœuf bourguignon. I'm. I don't. What is that? <laughs> oh, food. Yeah, food. 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 Be beef burgundy. Oh, beef. Bur okay. 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 Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, if you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Oh, uh, mind reading. Oh. And do you have a favorite superhero? I don't. Okay. Uh, your harvest notes, are they written down or are they digital? Uh, both. Okay. And then last book you read, it could be on Audible or, you know, a podcast or anything that you might listen I'm, to. I'm very old fashioned, like paper books. Yeah, I, so, so do I. Yeah. And actually, I'm, uh, I'm very into uh, comic books. Well, not comic books, like uh, you say, like graphic novels. Graphic novels. Yes, yes. yes. Is there a one? A huge collection of graphic novels. Ooh, do you have a, one that really stands out to you? Um, uh, okay, that's fair. Plenty. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my daughter is completely into anime and I get her to the books that go along with it, you know, for the manga. Yeah. And she is just, she just sucks those down. I would recommend uh, the manga called uh, The Drops of God. <gasps> I'm watching that on uh, Apple oh, it, TV right now. Oh, it's on, uh, it's not, oh, it's, it's also on uh, anime. Yeah. Well, no, this is a uh, live action. Oh. It's, okay. it's, I, I, yeah, I have the collection of the, 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 the manga's books. Yeah. I, I, I think I need to go like get those because I am so sucked into that right now. It's, yeah, it's so good. Mm -hmm. All right. Shall we oh. reveal what the wine is? At first, I thought I had a, a French aligote mm -hmm. and I went to pick the bottle and it wasn't French aligote. I'm like, oh. gosh, bah! Uh, so this is, uh, from Isabel Mounet, oh, yeah. a French winemaker. Okay. And that, that was the best connection that I could get. Excellent. But uh, yeah, but that's uh, Chardonnay from the Eola Amity Hills, Aubain. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice little lovely wine that I've, that I've enjoyed. And I thought no, I would just share yeah. it. It's really nice. I was expecting more, more density to it. Um, right. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is a good wine. All right. Well, that's all the questions that I have. Do you have anything for me or any questions? Um, no. Okay. Thank well, you. yeah, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Really nice to speak with you. Yes, thank you. Definitely.